Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. As we enter Passion Week, Doug shares on the five basic sacrifices or offerings listed in the first seven chapters of Leviticus. Each of these sacrifices points to Jesus and teaches us about a unique facet of His perfect sacrificial work. Doug reminds us that the purpose of studying the Bible is more than just learning a set of religious or historical facts, but it brings us into a vital relationship with our Lord Jesus. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. As we're approaching Easter 2023, I want to revisit a couple of thoughts. I published a book back in 2006 called Born to Die That We May Live, and it really was about the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. In fact, throughout the late 80s and 90s, that was exactly the title I called the series that I did called The Work of the Cross and the Power of the Resurrection, and of course in 2006 became known as the book Born to Die That We May Live. Over the years, it has occurred to me that many of us do understand, especially those of us who call ourselves Christians, the amazing, great, and abounding grace that comes from the work of the cross. But so often, I think we've neglected to understand that there's more to our relationship with the Lord than just our salvation. Although that is incredible, we need the grace of God. And like King David, we reiterate over and over and over, Lord, thank you for the joy of your salvation. But I think most of us walk in such a way that we don't walk in the complete liberties and freedoms that are given to us through the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. The Lord has so much more for us in our journey and walk with Him out of that relationship with the living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So salvation, healing, liberation, deliverance, and freedom are given to us. It is our allotment by God through this inheritance that we have, such a great salvation provided for us. In my book, Born to Die That We May Live, I address the five primary Levitical sacrifices Over the years, I had recognized the significance of what was in the old as a type and shadow and a symbol for us to recognize in the liberty and the freedom of the new. In fact, I began to see even the words of Jesus when he told his disciples to pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then it dawned on me. I was literally praying the words of Jesus saying to pray like this in what we call the Lord's Prayer was literally praying the Levitical sacrifices because he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He was saying to pray in this completeness, in this fulfillment. So when we think about the five primary sacrifices of Leviticus, it's all covered in the Lord's Prayer. In a moment, I'll share briefly what those five Levitical sacrifices are. But let me preface it with this. To give you a kind of an understanding of how we can take what is in the old and see it revealed in the new. When I first published the book, Born to Die That We May Live, I was quite humbled and honored that people actually endorsed the book because I don't see myself as some theological expert 
Or was I even trying to write a book, a treatise on Leviticus or the Old Testament? There were just some things that I began to see in my own life, and I began to see the types and shadows, and I thought, what a great way to teach about the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection in a very simplified way to get people to see the simplicity, get the power of the gospel through the risen king. A president of a Christian school wrote this. In the book, Born to Die, Dr. Stringer has skillfully reminded us of those truths the apostles and early church fathers clearly understood and fervently taught that in the old covenant, the new was concealed, and in the new covenant, the old is revealed. All those wonderful signs, symbols, and sacrifices were completely fulfilled in the coming crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even before reading the first line of the first chapter, Dr. Stringer had my attention in his introduction and table of contents, especially the title of chapter 14, The Great Exchange. There is no better way to sum up the power, purpose, and content of this book than by Doug's explanation that through the new covenant we participate in a supernatural exchange with Christ. We bring to Him what we have, no explanation necessary here, and He brings to us all that He has. This is a win-win exchange program, and we are reminded of this great kingdom principle Every time we participate in Holy Communion and we hear the minister recite the words of Christ when he raised the bread, take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then this cup in the new covenant in my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As I then backed up and read from the beginning, I could only say a resounding amen. Thank you, Dr. Stringer for reminding us how Christ has so fully bridged the old and new covenants. You see, the complete ramifications of Jesus' passion begins to unfold when we look at the five basic sacrifices or offerings listed in the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus. Each of these sacrifices points to Jesus and teaches us about a unique facet of His perfect sacrificial work. It seems many do not fully realize how Jesus fulfills all the Levitical sacrifices. In fact, the entire Bible meticulously points us to Jesus. The purpose of studying the Bible is more than just learning a set of religious or historical facts. It brings us into a vital relationship with our Lord Jesus. Let me give you the five basic sacrifices that Jesus fulfilled as I described it in my book, Born to Die. Number one, Total surrender to the Father's will. The very first sacrifice described in Leviticus is the burnt sacrifice or burnt offering, illustrating a total surrender to the Father's will. This is the essence of true worship, a heart that is in total surrender to God. Jesus also prayed this in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. Likewise, Jesus gives us instruction by word and example that as Christ followers, we too are to offer ourselves in total surrender to the Father's will. There comes a time in our lives when the revelation of Jesus and his work on the cross becomes so real that we desire to yield in total surrender to his will. Perhaps we once recited the Lord's Prayer with some shallow platitudes and religious incantations just because that's what we learn to do. But then somewhere along the way, the words began to take life within us. Our personal fleshly creed of, wow, my kingdom come, my will be done, was replaced with your kingdom come, God, your will be done. 
The second Levitical sacrifice I call Jesus' sinful service. The second sacrifice was called the grain offering, which is also referred to as the meal or meat offering. The grain offering represents the obedience of sinless service or grain without leaven, which naturally flows out of a surrendered life. Through Jesus' sinless service, He became our grain offering so that we too could freely commune with the Father. As with other offerings, the grain offering also points to the way we should live through Christ. Salt was a crucial element of the grain offering, as seen in Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. And for every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. See, the salt used in the grain offering points us to Jesus as the salt of the earth who came to cover and preserve us throughout eternity. And likewise, God wants us to be salty Christians. In a world filled with corruption and decay, we should be those who bring preservation, healing, and flavor. The third offering I call the sweet communion because the third sacrifice listed is the peace offering. The peace offering is also known as the fellowship offering. It's a symbol of intimate friendship and reconciliation. It's a spontaneous offering that expresses one's gratitude and commitment to the Lord. Praise, vow, and free will offerings are represented in this peace offering. What a great picture of Jesus' unbroken fellowship with the Father, which we too can experience through the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. Not only does Jesus give us his peace, he is our peace. This gives us reason to show spontaneous adoration, praise, commitment, and worship to the Lord just because of who He is and what He's already done for us. True peace seems to be one of the rarest human experiences today. People seek it in material prosperity or other fleeting pleasures, but it's not found there. Although many may chase for their inner peace, in Christ it is readily available. You see, Jesus offers a peace that is beyond human comprehension or capacity to mentally comprehend or understand. He reminds us in John 14, verse 27, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, the peace, fellowship, communion, completeness, wholeness, and well-being are just some of the amazing benefits granted us through Jesus, our peace offering. The fourth sacrifice is the sin offering. In my book, I call it, He is our expunger, our purifier, our guilt bearer. You see, the sin offering depicts Jesus as our expunger, purifier, and guilt bearer. To expunge means to erase or strike out, to eliminate completely, to annihilate. It was a mandatory offering that typified Jesus as the guilt substitute for our sins. He and he alone is our guilt bearer. As our sin offering, Jesus paid the debt that he did not owe, because we owed a debt we could not pay. He took away our guilt and paid sin's penalty, which is death, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 makes it clear. The Lord says, Now let's settle the matter. You are stained red with sin, but I will wash you as clean as snow. You see, Jesus secured the forgiveness of our sins. He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, John chapter 1, verse 29. He took the place we deserved, the place of condemnation and death, and exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness. And the fifth and final sacrifice was known as the trespass offering. It's the payment for the damage of sin. 
This offering represents our need for Jesus to heal the damage done by our sin. From Adam's sin in Genesis to our own sin and acts of rebellion, sin has always caused damage. But Jesus, our Savior, Healer, and Deliverer, heals us and cleanses us of the damage of our sin. As Isaiah chapter 53, verse 8, prophetically declared, For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Through Christ we are given this promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. What great news for us to hear. See, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was without sin and yet still took the punishment for our sins. He became the very doorway to salvation and eternal life that we could not have accessed without him. His perfect sacrifice provided our passage from penalty to pardon and from death to life. Yet so many are still unaware of the life of freedom that can be ours. By faith in Him, they can overcome the power of sin and death and find victory in life. In 2012, my wife Lisa and I had the pleasure while in Israel to become acquainted with and since becoming good friends with an Orthodox rabbi named Emmanuel Zadok. And from time to time, he sends us a teaching that he takes from the Torah. And this particular teaching, he says, Dear Doug and Lisa, can we praise God as our liberator, even if we're in chains? I thought, what a great point to make. And he was giving us a teaching as he says, As you approach Easter, meaning as you are Christians, and we approach Passover as Jews, I want to share with you this message, which I believe you will find speaks to all of us, not only at this sacred season, but year round. He said at Passover, we celebrate our liberation from the bondage of physical slavery. It is well known that the Exodus served as the inspiration for liberty worldwide. American revolutionary leaders Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson even wanted to incorporate the image of the deliverance of the Israelites at the Red Sea with the motto, Rebellion to Tyrants is Obedience to God as the Great Seal of the New Nation. In the past century, many peoples have won their physical independence from foreign conquerors. The great tragedy and shame is that they have remained mired in oppression, ignorance, and civil disorder as their leaders stole from their own people instead of investing in education and social advancement. In contrast, the state of Israel in the 66 years, of course now it's 75 years since its liberation in 1948, wisely invested heavily at great cost and even at the expense of its own security needs. In the education of hundreds of thousands of new immigrant children who came to Israel with no education or skills, this investment has paid off and put Israel in the forefront of modern technology and science. What made Israel's advancement in such a dramatic fashion possible was the ancient Jewish understanding that liberation needed to be rooted in higher values, of which the prime value has always been education. It has always been clear that liberation out of Egypt was only the first step. The true freedom came 50 days later when the people accepted the Torah at Sinai. The knowledge, the rules, and education given to us on Mount Sinai made the difference between merely physical liberation, which can be lost in an instant, and true spiritual freedom, which can never be lost or taken. There is a well-known statement from the time of the Holocaust when Rabbi Ashri of the Kavno Ghetto was asked, May one recite their traditional daily blessing, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, who has not made me a slave. The wise rabbi taught 
that while the Nazis could take away one's physical freedom, they could never steal anyone's spiritual freedom. As long as we hold onto our spiritual values, our freedom is secure, he said. It is for that reason that the Torah, in giving us the principles for the observance of the Passover, emphasized you shall teach your child about the liberation from the Egyptian bondage, Exodus 13, verse 8. It also told us in the declaration, you shall teach your child the duty to love the Holy One and remain loyal to the divine values, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. True liberty can only exist with deep values and personal discipline. He goes on to say, Our Torah repeatedly has emphasized education of our children both in worldly skills and personal values, and this was applied throughout the generations, even in times of oppression and poverty. Education was the top priority in the Jewish nation. We know that much still remains to be done. I found Rabbi Zadok's letter to Lisa and I and his teaching to us very, very important, significant, and profound and how it even applies to us, even as how he addressed it, as you enter your Easter season and we enter into our Passover season. He has a great respect for us as Christians, and likewise we have a great respect for him as an Orthodox rabbi and Jew. And yet there's so many commonalities that we can take from the Old and the Torah and the Old Testament that bring light to the new and the revelation of the Old into the present of the new for us as Christians. I'm reminded even in his teaching that we should be those who don't just look to the salvation of our Lord, but we recognize that through the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, we have salvation and healing and liberation and deliverance and freedom. As I've learned over the years in my own crucibles of experience, so to speak, through different trials and unexpected detours that I've shared before, that the external pressures of life, the external circumstances that surround me, even what's happening on the global scene, those should not dictate to me the peace of God, the shalom of God that I have at my disposal. The scripture is clear in Philippians when it says that we have a peace of God that surpasses human comprehension. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom by which Christ has set you free, and be no longer entangled in the yokes of bondage. We have so much to get, so much to receive, so much in our inheritance with the Lord. We come to the place of understanding that our only hope, our only peace, our only deliverance, our own only freedom comes from that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as Christians. So as we do enter into this Easter time and Passover time, may we be reminded of the landmarks and the history of God's faithfulness, that all along the way there's been a scarlet thread of redemption. The Old Testament is filled with types and shadows for us as Christians. In Exodus of the Old Testament, we see the Passover, deliverance, protection, and promises to come. And in the New Testament, to us as believers in Christ, the promise of not just the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, but also promises of purpose, peace, provision, protection, and the promise of the coming King. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.